Sometimes after a long day, you just want to climb in bed and go to sleep. But your spouse has other ideas. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 37, and we are going to be talking about differences in sexual desire. Okay, if you listen with the kids around, this is your chance to hit pause and play this one later with your spouse and a candle and a few rose petals scattered around. Ah, uh-huh, indeed. All right. No, but seriously, this isn't one to listen to in front well, of Well, actually, kids. this one doesn't get that racy, but we just want to be able to speak freely because this is an issue in lots of marriages. Actually, every marriage has a high desire and a low desire spouse, I think, although occasionally you do get matching. But generally speaking, there is a pursuer and a distancer, and this is really an extension of that. Okay, so normal to have that. Typically, stereotypically, and I think actually typically as well, the husband is high desire and the wife low desire. Now, when we say low desire, I just want to talk about that for a sec too, because we're going to talk about problems of sexual desire later. But when we say high desire and low desire, initially, we're just talking about a difference in desire. And it, it's it, means, not, it doesn't mean they never want it. No, it's not bad to be a low des- the, the lower desire spouse. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, that you're not normal, that you're not stepping up to the plate or any of that jazz. Mm-hmm. So there's, it can be perfectly valid. We want to take you kind of thinking a little deeper about it, though, to see if there are things that we need to consider. Oh, okay. And the same thing on the high desire side, it doesn't mean that you're evil because you're particularly, you know, you have a high libido. So. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Sure. So we're also going to make an assumption here, Verlinda, that the difference in desire is not due to either of the spouses, one or both, engaging in some kind of sexual activity outside of marriage, whether that's pornography or an affair or something. So you right. you could have a person that's low desire because they're getting their needs met elsewhere. Oh, and that's not good. No. No, but that's a different issue. That's a different issue. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with gender because gender matters. Research indicates that men want sex more often than women and that they rate their own sex drive higher than women rate theirs. Higher than women rate their, their own? Woman rate women's. Women's, okay. Yeah, I don't think we needed researchers to clarify that <laughs> point, because that was probably obvious to everybody already. Pretty typical in our culture. Yeah, now here's another study that we've mentioned before, Verlinda. So mm-hmm. um, even though you have this difference in ratings, another study by Byers and Heinlein, they found that men initiate sex more or attempt to initiate sex more. But when you control for the number of initiations, men and women respond equally. So what that means is, let's say a man tries to initiate, I'm just grabbing a number, 10 times a week and a woman five times a week. Okay. Okay. When you take the man's initiations and you divide it by two to get it up the same number as the woman, so you can, yeah. that's controlling for the number of initiations. Mm-hmm. They're both responding an equal number of times to those initiations. It's just because the men are asking more, they perceive to be failing or rejected more. Oh, so like if a man asked eight times... He'd be rejected four times. Whereas if a woman asked four times, she'd be rejected twice. Right. So she's experiencing two rejections and he's experiencing four though. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So that's just interesting to know as well. Yeah. And I think, um, I kind of wish I could remember the episode we talked about this because I think one of the key takeaways from that is not personalizing or, you know, rejections of sexual initiations. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, a couple more points to note. Individuals with greater satisfaction, greater sexual satisfaction responded more positively to initiations so when you like what's happening Mm. you want more of it so if your wife's rejecting you 
maybe you're not. Uh... Yeah, we're going to talk about quality. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So, and then another study that I just wanted to chip in here to keep in mind too, as we get into this, and we'll be unpacking this a little bit more, is that a woman's sexuality tends to be closely linked, strongly linked, I should say, to a close relationship. So if she feels close to her husband, she's going to feel more sexual. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I've got five points for Linda that I'd like to go through. Okay. Related to high desire and low desire. And these are all questions to ask ourselves. So think of it as like a checklist. Mm-hmm. One thing before we start, I yeah. don't think we went into this at the beginning. Like stereotypically, the man is the high desire, the woman's the low desire. But there's nothing wrong with it being the other way around. Right. Okay. Absolutely. I guess I should have asked that as a question, but. No, that's fine. Okay. Checklist item number one. How is the quality of your relationship as it pertains to the previously quoted research? You're not asking me, are you? No. Okay. We're asking our listeners. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Okay. We're not going real personal on this one. I know you like personal stories, but what stays in the bedroom, what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom or elsewhere. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So how is the quality of your relationship? Yes. So my first point here is emotional intimacy is critical for the low desire spouse. Because the low desire spouse knows when things aren't right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So that making sense? So when we're thinking about the quality of a relationship, if you're the low desire spouse, you know, stop and be thinking about the emotional intimacy that's present. Well, you probably are thinking about that. If you're the high desire spouse, talk to your low desire spouse, lower desire spouse, about how they perceive the quality of the emotional intimacy in the relationship. Are you really connecting at that heart level? Mm-hmm. That makes that leads them to want to take that to that deeper, more vulnerable physical level. Right. Because physical intimacy is really just an extension of the emotional intimacy in the relationship. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Now, again, Verlinda, I want to come back to this. Doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem or some kind of a flaw because you can still be emotionally intimate, but just be low desire because we're going to see there's all sorts of other factors that play into this. Like it could be purely hormonal. Right. Yeah. Male or female levels of testosterone in males. It could be the point in the cycle. We'll get to that for, for females, for women. So one of the things that I think is good to distinguish about when we think about high desire and low desire is distinguishing between desire and arousability. So a low desire spouse might be infrequent in their initiations, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they're actually not interested in sex. Well, they could still get aroused. Yes. Right. So the desire to initiate may not always be there, but the ability to be aroused and be fully sexually engaged is still just as strong. Mm, Okay. So we need to kind of distinguish between desire and arousability. And that's where being the low desire spouse, a person needs to allow themselves to be willing to be aroused as well. Yeah. And, uh, And the high desire spouse can recognize that, you know, the low desire is just a feature of their personality and who they are. And it's not necessarily a rejection of me or a problem. I can still arouse this person and lead them to great levels of sexual intimacy and arousal, okay. right? Yeah. So there's also an inverse here that that's possible as well in terms of the quality of the relationship. And this is kind of a tricky one too, but it's just something to throw out there to think about. You can want sex because you're feeling close. Mm-hmm. That's normal. Yeah. That's good. But you can want to be close by having sex. You can want to become close or to feel like yeah. you're close by having sex. Okay. And in many ways, that's fine too. And I think where we want to kind of nuance that one is just to say, as long as that's coming from a place of fullness rather than neediness, it's healthy. So if out of my fullness, I want to be close by having sex, that's a very different experience than I'm needy and anxious and I need to have sex to be reassured. 
Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So there's a difference there. And those things all kind of tie back to that quality of relationship. Now, uh, we got to press on here. I'm going too slow. All right. Sorry. Number two. Number two. How is the quality of your sex? So we talked about the quality of your relationship. How is the quality of your sex? Good sex leads to more sex. Hmm. Yep. And I want to ask the question, are you sexually competent or skillful? And skillful. Not over skillful. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that this is something where, you know, we might struggle a little bit more in Christian circles. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But just the whole idea, like we, you can grow up in a in your faith background, whatever that might look like, and have this belief that sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. You get married. Well, we need to be open to, and I think convicted of the fact that we need to develop sexual competence, male and female. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of men probably just take their competence for granted. <laughs> <laughs> so I might be talking more to the ladies here. Mm-hmm. And even the whole idea of arousal to the point of orgasm, like have you had a real orgasm. Do you know what that means? And that can be a real challenge. Like if, especially at the start of marriage, if she's getting married and she hasn't had a lot of sexual history before, what does an orgasm look like? How does she know when she gets there? What does it take mm-hmm. to bring her to orgasm? All of those mm-hmm. things kind of come in. And that is really a journey that you can go through together and kind of getting there. That's a whole different episode or something. Yeah. I don't think we need to go into that right now. No, we can't. We don't have time. But I just want to raise the question. And there are resources to help you with that. Good Christian resources as well. And um, maybe we should link to, uh, I think it's called the Marriage Bed website. We'll try and put that in the show notes. Okay. Because it does have a lot of good, clean content. It's a website you can go to safely to develop Get help. competence. Okay. Okay. Another thing about the quality of sex is, is the either partner feeling used or just like develop or achieving the, the high desire partner's our spouse's orgasm is the goal. So it's like, it's an mm-hmm. outcome oriented mm-hmm. event. It's not an actual intimacy thing. It's just, we're, we're going to go till you get release. Release. Yeah. And then we're done. So I'm doing my job. Right. Okay. And I think another thing to keep in mind in, in the quality of sex too, is about how we talk about that or reflect that. So not being critical before, during, or after sex okay. about how your spouse is having sex with you or about your spouse or their body or anything like that. So that, that all affects the quality of sex as well. And then another thing just to raise in here is beliefs about sex. Do you believe sex is good? If there's any trauma history, if there's abuse history there, it could really impact your beliefs about sex, which Mm -hmm. could impact the quality of your sex Mm -hmm. very much. So, and those are issues that can be worked through as well. And then the last point in this, how is the quality of your sex section is what are your beliefs about your own sexiness? Okay. Elaborate. Well, on that one, I think, you know, Christian marriage done right, the only place you're sexy is in your marriage. Right. Okay? Okay. So all of the time out there, like, we can see a culture and situation in which people act sexy or seductive. Mm-hmm. Or they, they're sexy, yeah. And that is something that only happens between a Christian married couple or should only be happening inside their marriage and in the situations that are appropriate for that, right? Okay. So I think we have to be willing to allow ourselves, allow ourselves to see ourselves as being sexy in that context. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because it'll affect our attitudes during sex and so on. Okay. All right. Third thing to check. How is your health? How is your health? And just to touch on this very briefly, you know, I think self-care is a big thing here for sexual health, Mm -hmm. like your overall bodily health, good sexual functioning, and kind of related to, do I feel sexy is, you know, positive sexual self-esteem. Right. If you hate your body and think negative thoughts about your body all the time, it's going to be harder to undress. Or about your abilities, that very much so. 
and or about your abilities to sexually please your please. spouse. Okay. Okay. And then the actual like really specific sexual health issues, you know, if things just aren't working mechanically, there's lots of things that can go wrong. Sex is such a complex thing. You think of everything from erectile dysfunction in men to vaginismus in women where there's pain during intercourse. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things, almost all of them, the one thing that's really neat is they can be treated. There's help for them. Right. And there's, there's disorders of both desire and arousal. So this is about, you know, if this is an issue, there are qualified sex therapists mm -hmm. that can help you develop the intimacy in this part of your marriage as it relates to problems that might be very literally physical problems. Okay. Okay. So how is your health? Point number four, what role does gender play? Because I think we need to understand that gender matters. We talked a little bit about differences in men and women. So yeah. men, you know, men, the male sexuality, generally speaking, is kind of, it's always on for the short term. Like men are always ready to have sex Yeah, is the perception. And there's a lot of reality to that. I don't know if it's always true, but it fades over the lifespan. So okay. men's sexual activity will, you know, it starts off high and it fades down. Like okay. the, the curve drops off towards the end of the lifespan. That in the short term, again, the more a man has sex, the less he wants it because he's more satisfied. The less he has it, the more he wants it. Yes. Okay. So the wife or women on the other side, her sexual desire mm -hmm. on the short term is connected to her monthly cycle. Yes. So okay. it changes with where she's at in her menstrual cycle. But overall, in the long term, her sexual desire peaks in the 40s and 50s of age. And then much later on, it begins to slow down over the long term as well. Okay. And where a man, you know, the more he has sex on the short term, the less he wants it, like he's more satisfied. Mm -hmm. The more a wife has quality sex, the more she wants to have sex. Interesting. So there's always a tension in marriage. Mm-hmm. And in our relationship. And that tension's a good thing because there's always going to be push and pull and it should be moving back and forth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then the other thing, Verlinda, my last point is about this kind of checklist idea is what else is going on? Because I think life happens. Absolutely. And yeah. So while we can have matters of health or quality of relationship or sex or, you know, all these other things and differences in gender, at the end of the day, if mm. you have babies in the house, and you're both up feeding babies at night, taking turns or whatever you're doing, that's going to affect your sex drive. Yeah. You just want to fall in bed and go to sleep. And your desire. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the relationship. You can still be no. intimately close and yes. emotionally connected. But right now, sex is just not a priority. Yes. And that's okay. That's a season. Yeah. If that's continual throughout life, that's not so good, is right. it? Right. So that's where I think we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And as we kind of adjust out of those seasons, maybe re coming back to stuff. And you remember... You know, the good old days, can we go back there or whatever? Mm -hmm. And uh, and just adjusting, you can get, you start a season, you adjust to that and you can not adjust out of it. Right. That might be when you right. want to revisit. Okay. Okay. So another thing I found in the research too, Verlinda, is that if a wife has a full-time job, mm -hmm. it decreases the amount of sexual initiations in the marriage. Interesting. Yeah. There's hmm. a direct link there. Not saying the job's bad. We're just saying if you have that, you need to be aware of it. Be aware. Yeah. yeah. And then just things, everything, who knows, like care of aging parents mm -hmm. can be tiring, draining, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think, Verlinda, the point here is just being realistic and reasonable about matching our expectations to the season of life that we're in. Yeah, that's true. 
Okay, so differences in sexual desire, those are some checklist items for your marriage to think about. Hopefully, we've given you lots to consider and to talk about together as a couple. Mm-hmm. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 37. We want to wish you a wonderful new year full of warm love, hot sex, and romantic moments. <laughs> That's awesome. Remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So if you want to be a part of helping other marriages to grow... One great way to do that is by recommending our podcast to others. So would you do that for someone today? We'd be very much grateful. Mm -hmm. Thanks, and we'll see you next year. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hey, everybody, this is episode. <laughs> <laughs> now you started into the microphone. How am I supposed to not use this for the bloopers? I'm just trying to have an empathy moment to prep myself. Okay. Well, you're not doing a very good job. Okay. <clears throat>